1: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck.
2: The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to the special 50th episode of Between the Links. Hope you're all having a great week. I am here in scenic Uncasville, Connecticut, Mohegan Sun, the site of tomorrow night's Bellator 258 event. I am excited. We're coming off a huge night for Yuri Prohashka. The UFC is back this Saturday. PFL goes down in a matter of moments. A lot going on, as always, in the world of MMA. But this is BTL 50, and we bring the chaos, we bring the ruckus, and we're doing that and then some this week. Big show planned for everybody. It's not just two people battling out for the strap. There's six people battling it out in the gauntlet, and we'll explain all of that in a matter of moments. But first, let us introduce... Our six competitors. First, let us welcome back a man who, let's be honest, hasn't had a lot of success on the show, but he's ready to become the Barry Horowitz of Between the Links, the Prince of Positivity, the what? co-host of On to the Next One from MMAfighting.com, Mr. Alex Cayley. AK, how are you, my best friend? I,
3: I, I hello, my best friend. I, I I think I've had a lot of success on this show. Don't 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 worry about the record. That's not this is this <laughs> doesn't define who I am as a man. Those are, just, those are just numbers. I've, I've had plenty of success. I, I'd love to see the two people who I beat. I honestly can't remember. But uh, no, what, what, I'm, I'm happy to be here, Mike. Happy to be here for this this 50th anniversary show, of this, this iteration of Between the Links.
2: We welcome back our old friend and a two-time winner on the program. In fact, he is 2 and one against our current champion. Can he do it again and call himself BTL champ from The Athletic? One of the best in the game, Mr. Sean Alshadi. Welcome back, sir.
4: It's good to be back. It's an honor to be back. I would, I'm, I'm happy to be back for this 50th show, man. Congratulations on 50. And AK Lee, two and eight? That's your record, bro? <laughs> Come on, man. What are we doing here? Ask you're the judges.
3: Ask better the judges. You're better I, I don't have the answers for you, Sean.
2: Oh, man. All right, well let's continue on. We got a multi-time BTL champion joining us, one of the winningest panelists in the history of the show, and that includes all iterations of it. The host of the ASI live chat. He's getting ready to head to the Lone Star State in a few days for UFC 262. Let us welcome back,
5: Mr. Jose Youngs. So what's up, buddy? Now let's get one thing straight. When we, when I was on the show, after we like to chit chat for a bit, and I would like to be credited as the creator of this format for episode 50 where I put it out there that we should have some sort of gauntlet style thing. So I am the Pat Patterson to the World Rumble. I am the Chris Jericho to the Money in the Bank. I am the Eric Bischoff to the Elimination Chamber. Jose Young's to the gauntlet style episode of Between the Links. Credit where credit is due. You're welcome, everybody.
2: Well, thank you for everything you have done for this program jose we also have ourselves a hungry rookie joining us this week she came highly recommended by the judge the jury the executive producer casey Leiden. you can find her work on youtube she also does work for morning combat food truck diaries she's an up-and-comer in the game for sure let us welcome alex wendling to the craziest episode we have ever done trial i fire alex to say the least how are you
6: What's up? I'm super excited, and hey, a two and eight record is much better than having a big fat zero. So, if there's any team competitions, I think a good AK, AJ team, I think we would really, really kill it.
2: Wow, this thank, is thank you, fellow Alex. A
4: little bit friendly here. This is what, it, How this about is what that? it's like. This is what it's
2: like when the doves Asian cry.
6: Alec- <laughs>
4: Is 2 and and 8 really better than 0 and 0? I don't know that it is.
6: I don't know. I don't know. We can go from zero to hero over here, though. Just watch, guys.
2: Uh, Now, people have been asking me for months, when is this person coming back on the show? Well, the answer is right now, and she is coming back with a vengeance because she technically never lost the BTL title. We kept it vacant for a while but then she just got so damn popular and gotten so damn busy, she hasn't been able to join the panel until now. We welcome back Phoenix Carnivale to the show. How are you?
7: What's up, everybody? I'm happy to be back. Happy to be talking some fights.
2: And last, but certainly not least, to quote the great John Anik, the man with whom this event was built around, the reigning, defending, undisputed BTL champion, ready to enter the gauntlet as champion, and aims to leave it the same way, Mr. Jed Mishu. Welcome, champ. How you feeling right now? Moments away from your toughest title defense to date.
8: I'm excited. Uh, I will point out two things. One, I think it's absolute trash that I don't get some kind of champion's prerogative here. you just throw me to the Sharks. It's going to be fine. I'm going to swim my way out of this one. But still, bad form, and I think we can verify that this is obviously a jose young creation because otherwise i would get the benefit of being the defending champion and the other thing is this is actually going to be super hard (laughs) because i can't be mean to some of these people like if i'm up against you know jose i'll just put him through the wood chipper like i've done hundreds of times before but you know against some of these other people i I can't be mean to them and we could see an upset we could see the champion lose his belt so stay tuned everybody
2: Okay, so those watching are probably wondering how this is all gonna work. I know Sean Alshadi is wondering how this is all gonna work, so I'm gonna explain (laughs) it right now. I have right here, my Boston Red Sox baseball cap, and inside of this hat are the names of the competitors, and in a matter of moments, we will select two names out of the hat, and these will be the first two to battle it out. They will get one question, and the round will go for 10 minutes. Once the round is over, we will then go to the rest of the illustrious panel and they will judge the round. They will determine who comes out and moves on. And if there is a tie, we will bring in Casey Leiden to break the tie. And once that is decided, the winner will move on. We will draw the next name. And this will go on and on until we draw the final name. And that'll be the knockout round. The winner of the knockout round wins the game and the championship. Now, if you happen to lose your round, you have the option to stick around. You can hang out. Get to the virtual judges table if you'd like and help us out in that way and and continue to enjoy the chaos, get involved. But if you're devastated by how your peers voted and it gets y'all pissed off and you need to take off, that's cool too. But we would love you to stick around and who knows, maybe mother nature will knock out a Wi-Fi signal. Maybe someone's computer needs to be reset and we need an alternate to step in. Anything can happen here on the program. So It is now time to draw the first two names, and by the way, Jed Mishu, just like the champion gets an advantage for the final question, there was an emergency meeting of the BTL Executive Committee committee late last night, and they came to a decision. They have decided to give you a little bit of a break and use a champion's prerogative at the beginning of the show. So your name will not enter the hat for round one, so you get a little bit of a reprieve, Jed. There you go. We gave you a slight advantage as the reigning champion. I'm sure most people here are hoping their name does not get drawn first, but we know, Jed, it will not be yours.
8: I I think I want to say thank you. I do like to have at least some some recognition of all I've accomplished, Uh, but I'm just too hung up on the fact that I'm not part of the BTL executive committee. What more does a man have to do? Winning is champion in history. Come on, Mike.
2: Well, you're going to have to apply for that job. And you have to be voted in by the rest of the committee. But well, let's get right to this thing. We're digging into the to the Red Sox hat of fun. The first name, Sean Alshawi. There we off. go. Let's He's go. In. And Alshawi will face in round one. Jose Youngs. Wow, a battle Don't of wait. the former A
4: side hosts. Arizona, baby, Arizona represent. Let's do it. Let's do it. Wow. This is just the way I wanted to start this
2: off. All right. First battles among us. We got Alshadi versus Young's. And we'll begin the gauntlet by discussing the big star of this past week in mixed martial arts, Mr. Yuri Perhashka. This guy has exceeded the hype he had coming over to the UFC as the former Ryzen light heavyweight champion takes on Dominic Reyes in his first UFC main event this past Saturday, The fight was absolutely ridiculous, and Yuri is just battering Dominic Reyes. Reyes is firing back with big shots that Perhashka just walks through. Reyes hurts Perhashka in the second. Yuri battles back and lands one of the most ferocious knockouts we have ever seen via spinning back elbow. So, Sean, we're going to begin with you, sir. Not sure what expectations you had for Perhashka heading into this fight, but where are they now? Like, Does the UFC have a star on their hands?
4: I mean, the UFC certainly has something on their hands, right? That was an outrageous scene. And that was one of the most entertaining things I've seen all year. That guy is so fun, man. Jerry Prohaska is just so much fun. He is a breath of fresh air. And people who have been watching this guy for years in Ryzen probably feel very vindicated right now because we've just been seeing this. He's been doing this away from, from the mainstream eyes for a while now. Uh, but, man, he's a living, breathing flow state. Like, he is Tony Ferguson crossed with Justin Gaethje in the body of a, a NBA small forward. Like, I absolutely love everything that this guy uh, is about, he, his whole samurai vibe, the samurai top knot. As a bald man, I'm extraordinarily jealous of the ability to have the samurai top knot. I'd like to, to be able to walk through life like that. Everything he exudes is just interesting to me. He's just an interesting cat. And to me, he's the most exciting and refreshing to talent that that has hit this 205 pound division really in like probably the last half decade, the last five years or so, man. It's just, it's awesome to see. And to me, we can't drop the ball here. Like, we have to strike when the iron's hot. We have to just propel this guy into a title shot right away. We can't waste time booking number one contender fights against Alexander Rakic and risk ruining this because there is a shelf life on this, right? The dude gets hit a lot. He just generally takes a lot of damage, takes a lot of risks. I just want to see this guy fight for a title while he still can before something stupid happens. What do you think, Jose? Do you think, I mean,
2: the, the the performance was amazing. There's nothing else you could say about it, but the UFC sometimes has a hard time jumping on these things and, and giving big pushes. And I feel like Yuri Prohashka with his fighting style, he's got an interesting personality. He's just a funny dude. I feel like they have something here. Do you feel the same way that, this 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 guy could may not just be a future UFC champion, but this guy could be a big star for them,
5: yeah. well, speaking of my uh, fellow top notter Jerry Prohaska, I mean, sorry, Sean, we some of us could grow actual hair. Uh, yeah, they, he is <laughs> Oh, Jesus. He Christ. is everything. <laughs> He is everything the light heavyweight division needs right now, because for years we, we talked about how, Oh, the, the, the athletes in America specifically are all going to go do another sport. And it's got kind of been dominated by, by John Jones for so long. And they've had to call up a lot of middleweights like the Chael Sonnens, Machida's who eventually did drop down to middleweight Chael Sonnen. Like it felt like he was fighting a lot of middleweights and now with John Jones now moving up to heavyweight and we have an actual light heavyweight contender and Glover to share getting his uh, much deserved rematch and Yuri poor like Like Sean said, you got to strike while the iron is hot. We saw, and I completely agree with his, his comparison to the Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje combo. And we saw what happened with the amount of times Tony Ferguson was matched up against Habib. I don't want that to happen with Yuri Prohaska. Book it now, unless the rest of the world opens up and they want to give him a five round fight in his part of the world. Cause of course, Alexander Rakic is from, uh, from, from his, his like Eastern European market. So if they want to just build like a super card of all these Eastern European fighters, so be it. But yeah, Give him the tile shot immediately give him the winner of Jan Blachowicz and Glove to share it, have him weigh in as a backup. I don't care. I wanna see this, I'll watch this man fight a door. He is the equivalent of like 2012, 2013 Korean zombie, where every fight he is in is a fight of the year, performance of the night, whatever you wanna call it. He is he is killer be killed. Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, Yuri Prohaska is a superstar and I never want him to learn perfect English because that is exactly what we need, is broken English, Samurai, top-knotted, buzzsaw human being of a man just knocking fools out, decapitating human beings in, on national television. Yo Porhaska is a superstar.
4: I think – let me jump in real quick because I think one thing too that I thought was really cool and I really enjoyed about this whole experience was it goes to, to a conversation that's a broader conversation that I think we have generally a lot of the time where two fights ago this dude was a rising fighter. Like, that wasn't long ago, and now he's already the number one contender in the UFC. Like, there's something to be said for the MMA world, just always generally, like, assuming that these non-UFC guys are just generally less talented by default and just how naive that mindset can be. And then you, we see a guy like this come in and just dominate right away, and it's just one of those things, right? It, it, it's wild to me, though, because when we see a hyper-exciting talent like him come to the UFC, usually they have to tone it down, right? They can't really do those say they can't really be as wide open and reckless as they usually have been when every every fighter you're fighting is could be a big fish in a small pond elsewhere. there's just less room for air. But this dude has not toned it down at all. like he's probably actually dialed it up a little bit, the theatrics, from where he was from what he was doing before. and it's totally working. It's such a unique thing to watch. and to watch him do it with Dominic Reyes who was a guy who just a year ago at this time last year, we're talking about him as he should have beat John Jones. He was the uncrowned King at two Oh five. And for Jerry to just come in here and destroy him in less than two rounds. I love it, man. I absolutely love it. All right. So we're halfway through the
2: stanza. And by the way, Jose, your hair comment hurts this guy as well, but you guys (laughs) both talked about, I'm sorry, it's all good. I'm not a judge, so you don't need to impress me anyways. But Prohashka <laughs> finds himself in an interesting position because, like both of you said, he should get the winner of Jan Bohovic and Glover Teixeira. But the problem is that fight's not till September. It's not like the fight's coming up in June where, like, everything lines up perfectly. So the question I have is, Yuri's a wild man. Does he want to wait that long? Like, at this point, if he chooses to wait, we might not see him again until 2022 But if he wants to stay active, he could fight Alexander Rakic, who would probably love the opportunity to stop the hype train. train. So knowing what you know about the UFC and knowing what you
5: know about Yuri, what do you think happens here? Who are you asking? Jose. Oh, well, knowing the UFC, they're going to book them in a five-round fight the weekend after uh, Jan Blachowicz <laughs> and Glover Sheriff. We saw this play out when Corey Anderson fought Jan when we all agreed Corey Anderson and Jan probably could have been the co-main event for John Jones, Dominic Reyes. You know, have if someone gets hurt, there's the backup right there. They're all on the same timeline. Instead, Corey Anderson fought Jan Blachowicz in New Mexico where neither of them have ties to the state of New Mexico. So knowing the UFC, they're going to have this big pay-per-view wherever. And then say the world opens up, uh, Yuri Prohaska is going to fight Alexander Ratchik in like Sioux Falls, I don't know, something weird like that, because that's just what the UFC is. Does not make sense? No. But MMA is a silly game, and anything the fans want, the UFC's probably going to do the opposite. So if the UFC is smart, they'll either make this the co-main event or make it a five-round fight where these two are actually big deals, but they're probably going to stick them in a place that unfortunately uh, it doesn't make sense. And that's I'm just basing that off of what the UFC has proven to do. Like, why put Nathaniel Wood in London when you can have him fight one week earlier – in Rio Rancho, because that makes all of the sense in the world, right? Or like why have Arnold Allen fight on London when you can have him fight in Raleigh, North Carolina? Because again, that makes so much sense. So knowing the UFC they're gonna do the exact opposite and put them in a place that doesn't make sense.
4: Agreed. Why do they need yes. to put why do they need to put them anywhere? Don't book it. Don't book the stupid fight. It's a stupid fight. We're killing off contenders for no reason. This division is finally interesting again. And that's what that's one thing we always see right when these long reigning champions leave all of a sudden the the door is open for everybody else that's what's happening right now we don't need to match these two up against each other because both of them can get their shot at different times like there's no rush here to to figure out who among them deserves it that fight's not till September in terms of Glover Teixeira Jan Yambekovitz let's just wait like let's just chill let's just wait we have a guy here who we all want to see fight for the title i don't want to risk it uh fight Met, over at fight metric richard Mann, uh, he, he's a great stats all the time and he had a great stat for this one where yuri first first two ufc fights he's absorbed 6.8 significant strikes per minute 6.8 significant strikes per minute that's a lot man <laughs> that's a dude who gets hit a lot and there's a shelf life on that. We can't let this guy, Johnny Walker himself, before he gets a chance to actually put himself in a position where we can care about the big fights that he can that he can produce, right? Like there, Even Jan Blachowicz recognizes it and is calling this guy out. And you never see Jan really doing that in, in that regard. I just don't want to screw this up. It really feels like this is something the UFC will screw up because Jose's right. They tend to screw this type of thing up. But there's no rush, man. We don't need to screw this up. Let's, let everybody breathe. Let the fight happen in September. And then book the Yuri against the winner it's fine rackets can will fight somebody else in the meantime his last win was very lackluster nobody's really calling for him to get a title shot there's no need to rush this all right so with about 30 seconds for each of you guys
2: here Sean ran down Dominic Reyes like this is a guy who was so close to winning a world championship and on the cusp of becoming a a light heavyweight champion and knocking off the goat in a lot of people's eyes now he's on a three fight losing streak he's gotten brutally knocked out in two straight fights you got to feel for Dominic Reyes great guy in the sport but Sean
4: where does he go from here quickly. It's tough, man. It is a really tough, the sudden fall of this guy because we just mentioned it. He he was the uncrowned king for so long and there are so many timelines. If you redo this this last couple of years of his 10 times over, this is probably the worst case scenario, right? Because he doesn't get his his Chris Weidman, Anderson Silva moment. He doesn't get that legendary moment of I beat John Jones. It's the same situation with Johnny Hendricks and George St. Pierre. He just, he loses that moment forever and that would have changed his life forever. And then the next two fights, just brutal knockouts, like really, really career-altering knockouts. Uh, I, I, he's still young, so you got to think that he's going to be able to recover and, and get back on his feet and, and make another title run. But man, that is a tough, tough way for this whole situation to go because this could have gone so much better in so many different. Again, if you run this back ten times, this is probably the worst-case scenario for him.
2: Jose, what do you think? Where does Reyes go from this past Saturday?
4: recovery. I don't even want to see hear him mention
5: the, anyone doing fantasy matchmaking for Dominic Reyes because I want when he comes back say in 2022 the rest of the division, the rest of the landscape could be completely different. I mean, we saw this mass exodus of light heavyweights either to heavyweight or other promotions, so we have a lot of guys that are kind of ranked by default. That could again all change by the end of 2022. So I see a lot of people saying like, "Oh, give him Enkailov, give him Paul Craig, the winner of Paul Craig, Jamal Hill, give him Anthony Smith." Like, I don't want any of those guys matched up with Dominic Reyes. Donald Graves needs to take a break. That's two back to back brutal losses. And again, like he got decapitated on national television by a spinning back elbow. Like, don't I don't want to hear him talk about training. I don't want to hear him talk about fantasy matchmaking, anything. Take a break, come back in 2022, and maybe we can have some fresh matchups. And again, he's still an incredibly dangerous fighter. So say you do match him up, like say Jamal Hill wins, and you match him up with Dominic Reyes, he's knocking off a contender, a future contender right there, coming off a three-fight losing streak. I don't want that to happen either. Have him come back after some of these fights play out, and then we can think about having Dominic Reyes matched up with another fighter.
2: All right, so UFC Vegas 25 is in the books. Also a great win for Giga Chikadze, stopping Cub Swanson just over a minute. But this is clear the Prahashka show. He's always been must-see TV for the hardcore fans. Now more people see that than ever before. And uh, this first round is in the books as well. It is now decision time. We had a spirited first round, but only one of these fine competitors can move on to the next step of the BTL 50 gauntlet. So let us go to the judges and we said trial by fire. So the first one to make a decision will be our rookie. Alex Dwenling, who wins the first round?
4: <laughs> I think, well, I think <laughs> your mic's muted. muted. I think your mic's muted. Now, looky oh, okay.
2: move.
6: move right there. All right, uh, I really am disappointed that no one brought up the fact that his hair was being used as a range finder, which is exactly why he was able to land that spinning back elbow. But other than that miss, I guess I'm going to have to go with Jose just because I really like how he doesn't want Dom to be matched up with anyone He needs to take a really long break. And uh, I don't want him to see, I don't want to see Dom go against an uncle I have or anyone else that people might be fantasy matchmaking him with. But it was a close one, but I'm going to go with Jose.
2: All right, we got one for Jose, the Prince of Positivity, my best friend, Alex K. Lee. It's up to you, my friend.
3: Listen, uh, Mike. There's some two things people know about me. I love rules, hashtag rules rule, and I love stats. I love I love I love math and I love numbers. Uh, our man Sean brought us some stats, which made me made my ears tingle immediately. Uh, our man Jose came out with a completely unnecessary shot at uh, at, at Sean's hair. That, to me, is a breaking rule. Lack a of a, hair. Lack of a hair. That's a bit of a low blow. <laughs> That's a bit of a low blow, so I don't approve. So I think both men made compelling arguments. I think Sean was a little more to the point, so I'm going to go give my point to Sean.
2: Love you. Ooh, it's one-to-one. It's one-to-one. And now we turn it over to a man who is a rival of both of these gentlemen, so I have no idea who he's going to vote, the reigning champ, Jed Mishu. Jed, who you got?
8: This is really tough, Mike. Uh, one, they were both really bad. Nobody mentioned (laughs) any of the important facts, like how Dominic Reyes is not good at fighting um, (laughs) or how Yuri Prohoshko should be matched up against Michelle Bahia for his next fight. Uh, And so in the absence of that, uh, it's really tough to make a choice. Uh, I'm going to go with the honest answer, which is a bad answer, because I I would love to face Sean Alshadi so he could get this work that is long overdue. But, uh, you know, I... I don't like giving the point to Jose because everyone in the comments are like, wow, Jen just wants to beat a guy he's already beaten dozens of times before, but it's going to be Jose Young's for me.
2: All right, so Phoenix finds herself in a very interesting position because she could play it safe right now and just give it to Sean. And then Casey would have to hold the weight of this final choice. But maybe Phoenix wants to play it right down the middle here, Phoenix. Jose or Sean? Who got it done? Well,
7: when you're listening to really good hip hop, what do you do? You nod your head, correct? Yes. So when I'm agreeing with the person who I nodded my head the most to, like it was a dope beat, had to be Jose. Uh,
4: uh, it's rigged. This is rigged. No. <laughs> calling for a <laughs> recount.
7: Definitely because of the, the Dominic Reyes taking a break thing making them wait, even though, you know, I think he's a popular star in the UFC is probably going to want to get him in again. And, you know, they book weird stuff. Sometimes it's, it's a strong possibility, but I think that this is, this is the guy this sport's been waiting for. And I agree with a lot of what Jose had to say.
2: All right. So Jose, we'll move on to the next round. Sean, Elshadi, baldman bald men us. We got to stick together, my friend. And, uh, <laughs> You are welcome here anytime. And you're also welcome to stick around as a, a as a judge, if you'd like.
4: Well, it was fun while it lasted. I can't believe I'm the first one out, but these things happen in MMA. All right. Well,
2: truth be told, Sean's computer might like restart at any second here. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this wasn't fixed at all, but I mean, it just worked out like the, the MMA gods are actually on our side, that Sean went first, and now he can reset his computer. So, Sean, <laughs> you're the man. Thank you so much.
4: Appreciate you guys.
2: Congratulations to Jose Youngs and Boo Jose Youngs. We're gonna go back to the Red Sox hat of mystery and find out who will enter the gauntlet in round two to go one on one with Jose Youngs on this beautiful Mohegan Sun stationery. Phoenix Carnivale, come on down. You are the next contestants in the BTL 50 Gauntlet. So Phoenix, welcome. Here we go. It's been a minute since you've had a chance to debate. And we're going to begin right where I am at right now. Lovely Mohegan Sun, because Bellator is back with the big one tomorrow night. The main event is for the Bantamweight title. Great fight between Juan Archuleta and Sergio Pettis. We have the return of MVP against Derek Anderson. We get Patricky Pitbull versus Peter Queeley. And the return to action and the Bellator debut of Anthony Rumble Johnson. But it's not against Yoel Romero, as we heartbreakingly found out last week. It is against Jose Augusto, and along the way, we also lost James Gallagher to an injury. So patchy mix now meets Six Fight UFC vet, uh, Albert Morales in the prelims. It's an interesting card, Phoenix. We're gonna begin with you. Losing Romero sucks. There's no way to mince words here. Losing Gallagher hurts, but how much do losing those two guys, how much does it sting? Is this one of the better? Do you still feel like this is one of the better offerings Bellator has put together in quite some time? Are you still excited to see this all go down tomorrow night despite the hiccups?
7: I really think that anybody who thinks that just the AJ fight was the reason to watch this card has not been paying attention to what Bellator has been doing. If you haven't been paying attention to Archuleta and Pettis, you're gonna miss an extremely good bantamweight championship fight because Archuleta is just like kind of a stick-and-move fighter. He's he's a cardio machine. Pettis, has he, as he's gotten into his man strength, has been more and more impressive. He's, he's only 26 or so years old. There, there's a lot within this matchup that makes it interesting for me that this actually is the fight that I wanted to see the most. Yeah, listen, we love AJ, and there's a lot of questions. And in a way, this might be even good for him because he gets a tune-up fight. You know, he he gets to get rid of some of that ring rust. He looks phenomenal. I think we're all curious to see like how he's going to perform. And know, let's be honest, when you're up against you know somebody like Daniel Cormier and you're going through all that, you you can get burned out. There was a big sting. He's refreshed now. Let's see how AJ comes back. He looks better than I've seen him look in a really really long time. So it, it is a big deal. I do love what Bellator is doing with the the you know, the brackets and things like that. I almost wish we kind of had that for the UFC because we wouldn't be having that eerie conversation. We, we kind of know what was going to happen with that. So I am excited, but I'd say just let's look at that bantamweight fight because that's got me excited. MVP, you know, look, I, he, he's just always been so successful against opponents. It's, it's, you're figuring, okay, is this going to be a little bit more of the same patchy mix? Another, super exciting person. I mean, the Archuleta Apache mix fight was one of those things that made me say, I need to watch Bellator a little bit more. So I think, I think it's a good, a good card overall, and I'm still going to watch it with it without, without UL Romero disappointed, but I th- still think it's going to be good.
2: What do you think Jose? cause a couple weeks we mentioned like the last two UFC offerings and we're wondering, I, th- I think it was this past Saturday and then this coming Saturday, and we were like, is Bel- is Bellator 258 better than both of these cards? And it was pretty much unanimous that it was, but this is before we lost Yoel Romero in that fight. So the card's still pretty good, but how much does losing Romero and Gallagher hurt this card, if at all?
5: I mean, losing Romero hurts a lot more than James Gallagher, unfortunately. Like, James Gallagher is a very interesting, polarizing fighter, uh, but he doesn't have, like, he, Yoel Romero, people, like, it, just looking at our YouTube our YouTube analytics, his open workouts dwarf most videos we ever put out just because of how he looks. Like he didn't even do a, a, a workout. He just did an interview and it still did gangbuster numbers. People are so fascinated by Yoel Romero, the specimen, the fighter, the human, whatever you want to call it. He is so interesting. And you know, if, jo- if Joel Romero is anywhere, Jorge Masvidal is going to be following right there with him. Cause they're like, they are, I've interviewed both of these guys and they say, if Yo- if Joel says, if I call Jorge, he's there in an hour to help me train. So it, you know Bellator wants Yoel. They want the Jorge Masvidal rub. The fans want to see Yoel Romero win. There's a reason they made this fight right out of the gate. There's a reason where we had Big E, WWE superstar on the show – And he was so excited for this fight in Bellator. He's not talking about the UFC 261 pay-per-view. He's not talking about Juan Archuleta, Sergio Pettis, which is a fantastic high-level martial arts competition. He was talking about Anthony Rumble Johnson, who hasn't fought in like three, four years, and Joel Romero, who's on a losing streak. That is what was drawing eyeballs. So, unfortunately, losing Yoel is a big blow, but this fight card is a very, very top-to-bottom solid card in terms of Bellator matchmaking. There's a lot of interesting matches. But, yes, losing UL does sting. I
2: was speaking to Josh Thompson earlier this week, and you can now see that video by itself on our YouTube page. And we discussed, like, how much, how losing Romero certainly does suck. But the silver lining in all of it, Jose, is now more attention can be put on this main event between Archuleta and Pettis. Because as far as title fights go, this is a really competitive fight yet it's flying way under the radar. Like, no one was really talking about it. So and, and, and it's awful to lose one fighter, but to put more shine on a fight like this, it's pretty cool. Do you agree with that? Like, do you feel like the Romero loss sucks, but at the same time, now we're giving a little more love to a fight that absolutely deserves it?
5: Yeah, I mean it, it's it's obvious. I mean once you lose Joel and and Anthony Johnson, Anthony Johnson of course is is still on the card, but at the talking points gonna be the title fight now. Like Michael Venom Page, uh, Anthony Johnson, Patchy Mix, like Eric Perez, Henry Corrales. These are all names that people know, but they're not talking about the fight. They're talking about the individual. Mm-hmm. The main event. They are talking about two men entering the cage, not the Octon, the circle cage uh, for Bellator. Juan Archuleta is of course one of the more, was for a long time one of the more unheralded fighters. His only loss I believe is to Patricio Pitbull and Bellator, Sergio Pettis is kind of finally out of the shadows of his older brother. Uh, his older brother lost his PFL debut of Sergio, as he said, can bring the title back to Milwaukee. That will finally forge his own path as a man and a fighter. So yes, losing UL is a bummer, but the, the silver lining is Now we are talking about Archuleta Pettis and I am seeing far less fans on Twitter and Instagram saying Bellator 258 colon Rumble versus Romero. I'm seeing Archuleta versus Pettis now. So yes, factually, yes. All right, halfway
2: through this round, uh, Phoenix, we'll go back to you. We, We mentioned Rumble Johnson. It's a big deal taking on Jose Augusto. Obviously a big opportunity for Augusto. Rumble returns four years after losing to Daniel Cormier. It's the final opening round matchup of the Grand Prix. But I do want to talk about Michael Page, who had some things to say about his displeasure with Bellator. He wouldn't get into into too many specifics, but he was asked point blank at the media day yesterday if he was happy with Bellator. And he said no. And I asked Scott Coker about that earlier today. And Scott said he heard that he called MVP immediately and they've already worked everything out. And people have had this up and down relationship with MVP Phoenix. Like at times he's so fun to watch. People are just like glowing about this guy. But then people have things to say about his level of competition, the performances in general. But the guy is winning fights. He's doing his job no matter what people say. So what do you need to see Phoenix from MVP tomorrow night against Derek Anderson, who's going to be in his face looking to put him away? Like is a win enough for MVP or does he need to go out there and do something super exciting tomorrow night?
7: I don't think a win is enough because a lot of the times it's like he's expected to win. And it's, it's more, but I can understand why he's saying what he's saying because he was unhappy with the promotion itself. Because he's a highlight machine, people know him and they don't know his opponents. And his point was, no matter who I fight, because of my style, I make them look like a can. So it looks like he's beating guys that don't really have names because they don't really have names. And is that the promotions problem or is that his problem? So it's a, it's a combination of the two. He's got to have those step up in competitions where you put a name against him that makes it say, oh, this guy can really be threatened. It's like when you watch some of the Marvel movies and the villains aren't intense enough. So you never fear for the characters. You know what I mean? You know, besides that one knockout, which which kind of made people go, oh, okay, he he isn't invincible that made me a question, made it get more excited. It made it put some questions behind his name. I think that's part of the problem. And I get his point in a lot of ways. Like when you go to Bellator's website, you're fishing for more information. You want more stories. You want more clips of the fighters. You want to get to know them a little bit better. And I don't think it's there. Now, part of it is I think we as media members, we need to get to know them a little bit better and search it out. But part of it is them. They do need to do a better job of promotion. And maybe with Showtime and with the Showtime money backing that a little bit, maybe that's in the mix and maybe that's working and maybe that's coming into play. And I think that's a big part of sort of the problem here. And that and that's why it is good that we are taking a look at the main event and, and, and that it isn't just the Yoel Romero and, and AJ show, you know?
2: What do you say, Jose? What do you need
5: to see for MVP tomorrow night? I'd need to see him finally get past the Derek Anderson chapter of his career because I feel like they've been matched up like a copious amount of times. Now Derek Anderson is like, like we all know, Derek Anderson is a very high-level fighter. I looked up his record before he went live. He has six knockouts, six submissions, five decisions. He's not just a striker, he can beat you anywhere. So, but I need to see uh, Michael Venom page get an emphatic win over a high level opponent. I mean, I was at his fight when he fought Lima and he was finding a lot of success in that first round until he made one mistake And because mm-hmm. Lima is such a high level fighter. He took, he took advantage of one second. We all know when you when a fighter gets knocked down, it's better to go backwards away from the strikes. Michael Venom Page was getting so much success in the first round that he just stood up like he was tying his shoes and walked right into a baseball bat a la Lima's fist and got knocked dead. So uh, everyone will point to that without watching the first round. And what led up to that, he threw a lazy, he threw a lazy punch, got his leg kicked out, did a lazy stand-up, and got his senses detached from him. So uh, I need to see him make no mistakes. I need to see him make a high-level uh performance against a high level competition because i was all i've made this comparison before he was eight and O when Corey sanhagen made his debut and what are we talking about, Corey Sandhagen, right now? Corey Sandhagen should be fighting for the UFC bantamweight championship of the world. And you, you, Mike, interviewed uh, Cody Stamen, who said that Corey Sandhagen is the scariest fighter. Why isn't Michael Venom Page getting the same treatment? Why isn't he getting fast tracked like the like the Corey Sanhagens of the world, who or fighters that had debuted after him, who are fighting for like high level fight, comp, yeah, high level opponents for championships too? It is infuriating. I'm a big Michael Venom Page fan, as the as the medium media person, great interviews. He's a very nice individual when he's not promoting fights and he is a very exciting fighter and hate him or love him. You tune in to watch him either win or get defeated. So I need to see something that we haven't seen from Michael Venter And that is a high win over a high level, uh, competition.
2: All right, we got one minute left. So Phoenix Carnaval, we begin with you. What's the low key banger on this card? What's the fight that sticks out to you? That isn't getting enough love.
7: I don't know, I mean, so I'm a big, big supporter of all my old LFA people. So I'm always excited to see Rafian Stantz. I think that, you know, especially for that division, Rafian Stantz is one of those really exciting fighters. He's got that great wrestling pedigree. He always goes out there to bang. I, you know, constantly see improvements in him. So I want to take a look at what what he shows us and uh, where his future is going with that division and with Bellator.
2: Yeah, that's a great fight with Josh Hill. Um, Jose, what's yours? Low key banger for tomorrow night.
5: I mean, how can you not say Rafael Carvalho and Lorenz Larkin? I mean, it's at middleweight, yes. So Lorenz Larkin isn't fighting in the division that he's kind of been decapitating humans for, uh, for Bellator. But Carvalho is violence personified. Lorenz Larkin is an incredibly high level striker. Obviously, Being of Hispanic descent, I am very excited to watch El Goyito Perez kick off the entire card. He was one of the first big Mexican stars, not Mexican-Americans, but Mexican stars in general. Henry Corrales, Arizona native, making his Bantamweight debut. So, but again, there's a lot of high level, there's a lot of fighters, but the the, the fight itself are great. But I'm very much more interested in seeing how individuals perform uh, in their fights.
2: It's a fun card tomorrow night, no doubt about it. And uh, we're gonna have you covered here at MMAfighting.com. But this round has come to an end officially, and one of these players will be moving on to the next round. The other will move, hopefully, to the virtual judging table. But let's see who is who. Let's go to the judges. We begin. We're gonna go backwards this time. Sean is gone. Jed, we begin with you, the champ. Who takes it?
8: Oh, I really didn't want you to begin with me, because that was that was a nip-tuck round. Uh, Thought phoenix came out strong early kind of put the work to, to jose but he, he battled back uh didn't love her her second answer there uh just not not the same kind of enthusiasm that jose was bringing but she closed strong and uh i love the the pruvian's dots pick uh it's i really just didn't want to have to make a choice here mike this is this is not a thing I'm going to give it to Phoenix, though, just just because Jose stumbled uh, with, with a couple of his points kind of down the stretch there. So I'm, I'm giving the point to Phoenix.
2: AK, the middleman, the Prince of Positivity. Who did it?
3: As Jed said, that was an incredible First of all, can we just say how great it is to have the real champ back in the virtual building? <laughs> she never lost a title, all right? The real champ is back. Uh, I love the LFA shout out, I'm so down for that. I loved uh, the commentary about, you know, what more can Bellator do to kind of uh, promote their product. I agree, I think they do a good job, Um, but it does feel like there's just like, there's just missing that extra little spark that they need to grab people's attention. So I thought that was a great point. Uh, but I loved a lot of what Jose was saying as well, especially I think his MVP rant was super on point. I think the, the Corey Sandhagen comparison really made me think. So my head hurt for a little bit, but like in a, <laughs> for like in a good way. And uh, and I really appreciate it. So, so I did enjoy that. So I am leaning towards, amazing round, I am leaning towards Jose for this round.
2: Oh, one to one. And Alex Wenling back in the chaotic seat. She went first last time, and now she's going to make the final choice here. Who's moving on? Could be potentially your next opponent, Alex.
6: Ooh, all right. This is a tough one. I think right out the gate, the tone was set with Phoenix just bringing light. Before you even got to the second round, she was talking about that bantamweight fight with, I think, a lot of passion. I don't think she lost it in the second round either, so I'm going to go tiebreaker, Phoenix.
2: Phoenix Carnivale gets it done she moves on to the next round her streak continues without a loss i don't think she's lost at all on the program but maybe Mm -hmm. i'm not sure it's hard
7: man because he's right about MVP in so many ways so it's like you know i get it
2: i love how this became like american idol everyone was you know just rifling through stuff in their own way jed's like
5: the simon i mean it's just it's just good (laughs) stuff
2: Uh, Jose, do you want to stick around and judge, or yeah, wanna I want
5: to. I want to see uh, the Muhammad Hassan, aka Jed Mishu, of Between the Links, lose. You know, when everyone ganged up on him because no one, he didn't have anyone on his side. Yeah, I definitely want to see that.
8: Yeah, Jose's never seen me lose before because he's just too busy getting to work. So I don't care uh-huh. what.
2: <laughs> All right, so Phoenix moves on, Jose. Yeah, has I'm pretty down.
5: I'm pretty sure Jed wore that shirt last time, too. So maybe <laughs> with his winnings, he can learn how he can finally have his mom teach him how to do laundry and he can wear a different shirt.
8: Why would I rolling. have anything other than fight circus shirts in my closet?
5: Yeah, you are kind of the fight circus of human beings. that's that's fair. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, maybe like that. the above ground pool of people, Jed Mihu. <laughs>
8: Yeah. You can have 30 seconds of great fun in the above ground pool. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all thing.
2: right, all right. So Phoenix moves on. There's only three names in the uh the, the Red Sox magic hat. Phoenix will now face the woman who gave her the victory, Alex Wendling, Come on down. One of these that,
9: strong that women.
2: moving on. And uh, we will now discuss the UFC's next offering because it has been a strange road to get to UFC Vegas 26 because in terms of non-pay-per-view main events, you'd be hard pressed to find a better one than Corey Sanhagen versus TJ Dillashaw. And we found out last week that Dillashaw suffers a big cut. He's out of the fight. Then we found out not long after that news broke that the UFC was targeting Michelle Watterson versus Maria Rodriguez to become the new headliner. We also find out like a day or two after that about Diego Sanchez being released in the fight with Don Cerrone. That was off the table, which has since been filled by Alex Morano. That's a new co-main event. We'll talk about the Diego situation later on. But here we are watching the card this past Saturday, waiting for the UFC to make the main event official, give us something about this card, and nothing, not one mention of the card at all. So everyone started wondering, like, what's going on? Like, is the main event going to happen? Is this event at all going to happen? Finally, the UFC announced the main event, announces all the fights officially, and we're a go for this Saturday. So Alex Wendling, we're going to begin with you. Did all of this chaos make you any more or less interested in this Saturday's event, where do you gauge your excitement levels?
6: Um, I definitely think everything happens for a reason. So even going back to the Bellator stuff, when Yoel had to get, when Yoel's not fighting anymore, I think that all happens for a reason. I think AJ has to have a little uh, stepping stone back into, before he fights someone like Yoel. So when we're talking about TJ having to take some time off because of that cut, It happened for a reason, and now we're going to get a female headlining fight, and I love Karate Hottie. Uh, I think I want to see it be a banger. I know sometimes she comes out there, and she's a little bit reserved, so I hope that she just goes out there and lets the hands fly, and I was also stoked to see Angela Hill versus Hebus. so she trains out in alliance in san diego she is such a light with all of her TikToks and the stuff that she posts i literally just reposted her today so i'm excited to see what she can do i know that she feels she got the short end of the stick when she lost by decision to uh, karate hottie so i'm glad to see that they're all going to be on the same card and um, in terms of hibas i'm excited to see what she's going to do just because she got pretty, uh, she got laid out in that last one. It was kind of a halt to the hype train, but the only thing we're not gonna stop being hyped about is how awesome and happy she is all the time. And that's the kind of energy that all of us need to implement in our life on the daily.
2: <laughs> I would agree. Amanda Hibas is still an interview uh, that I did a little while ago. People still talk about, cause they love her. They could care less about me, but they love her. And I understand why, but what do you think Phoenix? Like I, I understand the road was chaotic to get to where we're at, but we have a card to look forward to on Saturday. Are you excited for it?
7: See, I'm I'm the, always the person who like likes the up and comers. So I'm I'm like I don't see this as a bad card, and I'm not disappointed because also having Diaz and Leon move over to the other card puts three top level, co- you know, main event, co main event, and like co co main event makes that pretty awesome for that particular night and there's good names on this card i mean yes having having marina rodriguez and michelle waterson that's karate boy versus muay thai right now you know what I mean? Those are my two, two of my favorite arts. So I'm pretty happy about that. It's, it's good to see Angela Hill back against Hebus. They both need that win. Angela Hill has made so many improvements in her game. Jeff Neal is on this card. Maurice Green is on this card. Uh, Gregor Golebski is on on this card. So it's still a really good card. The, the thing I was upset about is, I, you know, I don't want the ball to slow down on Corey Sanhagen. Because, you know, and then it was like everybody wanted to see TJ get his ass kicked. So that those those things are absolute disappointments. The Diego Sanchez thing, that I, I didn't want to see him fight again. You, you know, that's a whole other story we'll get to. But I still think it's a good card because these are up and coming names. And, you know, coming from the LFA, it's fun to see everybody evolve on these cards and move on forward. You know, Maurice Green is coming off a loss as well. But he's an interesting fighter. They, 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 these guys have personalities. They can still make this card a lot of fun. And I, I'm never against having a female main event because as you've seen, majority of the time, they do show out.
2: Yeah, because people's reactions to the new main event, I, I guess you would describe it as indifferent. But like, yeah. let's not forget, The last time Michelle Watterson got bumped into a main event spot, it was after Glover Teixeira tested positive for COVID because he was supposed to fight Tiago Santos. And (laughs) Watterson fought Angela Hill, and it was a damn good fight. It was a really good fight. And now she takes on this hungry contender in Marina Rodriguez, who is coming off a massive win over Amanda Hibas. She's looking great. A lot of people look at her as a potential threat at 115 pounds right now. Phoenix, what sticks out to you from a stylistic perspective about this main event?
7: Rodriguez has a really amazing Muay Thai style and she does use her range and she hits very hard. I mean, when you saw her hit Hibas at one of those points, like it she she he had she had the face that Daniel Cormier made when AJ hit him. Like you know, when your eyes like go super wide like a cartoon. So that could be really interesting. Michelle Watterson, it can be hard to hit if you're that coming forward brawler. Like, you got to worry about those oblique kicks. And Muay Thai stylistically doesn't really have those a lot. In fact, my coach used to hate them because of the of the threat to somebody's knee. We, we were not, in Muay Thai, not allowed to throw those at all. But she's still got that sidekick that can be very hard for, for Thai fighters because they, they fight a little bit more square to deal with. So it, it can be interesting stylistically. And, you know, Michelle just got a brown belt too, so she can grapple, she can wrestle. And, and it'll see, just to see what Rodriguez brings to the table. What's scary to me is it is short notice. It is kind of a short notice weight cut. I don't know what that means for Rodriguez, you know, in terms of how she's going to perform. But it's fun to see these female matchups, especially from someone like Michelle, who has been in the game a long time and has fought the who's who.
2: What do you think, Alex? And, I, and, and from what I understand, and I don't even know if the UFC announced this directly, but I think they're they're doing the fight at 125 because of the short notice nature, which is which is great. But way cut aside, Alex, what do you think of the main event? Like, what sticks out to you when you think about this fight?
6: Also, yeah, just the fact that they're not having to cut to 115, but hell, 125. I'm a solid 140 right now, so shout out to the, those girls for making it <laughs> to 125. The quarantine 15 is real over here. <laughs> um, I think this is a tough matchup for Karate Hottie, just size-wise. I think she's lacking in uh, reach by I think two two inches. So uh, I think she might come out a little bit reserved, and if we're gonna, if she is gonna want to. Land any punches and then use her jujitsu. I think she's gonna have to counter and kind of uh, ease ease her in so that she can counter and then maybe attack uh, and try to get a takedown. But um, there was one point about how TJ. Everyone wants to watch TJ Dillashaw. Uh, get knocked out. I have to disagree with that point. I am in Mission Viejo right now in Orange County, and there is a big squad that fully supports TJ Dillashaw. I love what they're doing at Classic Fight Team. They have the future of the strawweight division with Kay Hansen in there, Tyler Wombles representing, and then they have a killer jujitsu coach uh, who's who just got done uh, training Artie uh, Goat for uh, Bellator. So they got it going over there, and they have a lot of up-and-comers. Um, and I I just think that TJ has learned his lesson. He had to have surgery on both his shoulders. So yeah. that was a good time for him to take time off. And uh, I'm excited to see what he has to do in the future. Bummed that it's not going to be on this card, but I love watching the females go at it. And I think it's even better for them that they're not going to have to cut that weight drastically because I haven't been 115 pounds since like the eighth grade. So shout <laughs> out to
2: <them>. If, uh... <laughs> If you get beyond the weirdness of getting to this card, and I think you both sort of touch on it, this is a pretty good slate of fights. Like there's some really good matchups here. So kind of going back to the same thing we talked about the Bellator card, Alex, we'll go back to you. Outside of like the obvious, the the main and the co-main event, what fight sticks out to you on Saturday that could just steal the entire show, all the shine away from everybody else?
6: For the UFC or for Bellator?
2: For the UFC card, just kind of... Just, just kind of the, the same question as the Bellator question, what's the low key banger of this card that isn't getting enough love, but could steal the entire show?
6: Um, I would have to say that I would just have to go with the Angela Hill card. I mean, I think that one is getting a lot of the attention going in, but um, so I guess one that is gonna be a, that people aren't noticing Honestly, I've been so focused on the Bellator stuff with all the prep, but uh, I'm gonna have to draw a blank on that one.
2: No, but Hill and Hebas is an interesting answer too, because, you know, Hebas had a lot of that buzz. She lost. And there are a lot of people that I spoke to that forgot this fight was even happening on this card. So it's not a bad answer uh, whatsoever. But Phoenix, books go to you. What sort of sticks out is like the low key show stealer on this card Saturday?
7: Uh-oh. Man, Neil Magny, Jeff Neal. Neil Magny, Jeff Neal. I love them both. Uh, you know, Jeff Neal is super tough. He comes out of one of my favorite camps, like, in, in the whole country. Um, I, I, I like wow. Safe Saud, uh, Fortis MMA. I absolutely love Neil Magny. He's super tough. He's such a crafty veteran. It's so unfortunate that he lost that last fight because he was like on a roll after he beat Robbie Lawler. We were like, Neil Magny is the ish, you know. So it's it's just kind of, but that's how his career is. You know, he l- wins two, he loses one. He wins two, he loses like that's just the way he he's been. And this is this is really, it's a it's a name for Jeff Neil. It it, it puts him in a in a good position, and he's been through a lot. So it's just it's it's a fun matchup. It, I would I hate to see either guy lose, but um but I'm looking forward to that fight.
2: All right. Now. I don't know why there's a timer up there now, but uh okay. <laughs> we're going to head to the judges. The round is wow. ended. And we're going to start with AK Lee and AK, I have a feeling I know where you're going with this. Yeah, okay.
3: Yeah, maybe, maybe. But let me let me first say that uh, new Alex, new very cool Alex, uh, did a great job for first BTL. I think I, I don't know if anyone else did a proper kind of rebuttal today. I know we had some back and forth. I don't know if anyone, but she 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 threw in a, a, a and I have to disagree. She's in there. She's in there with the champ, and she threw it. In, and I had to. And I was like, I was like, whoa, whoa, okay. <laughs> Okay, we're direct. We're directly refuting points now. I didn't know it was that kind of show. So I was very, I was very impressed by the gusto. Very impressed by the positivity. Again, on the prince of positivity. When someone emphasizes, you know, like Amanda Hivas and her personality, of course I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna tilt in that direction. But it is it is tough to beat Phoenix. Uh, her analysis of uh, you know of a Muay Thai and her uh, you know her experience, her own martial arts experience, very very tough to beat. And of course she showcased hashtag. Neil on Neil, and and if, and we, as we all know, that is the real main event this weekend uh, of, of Bellator, of uh, of the UFC, of PFL, what's happening now. Neil on Neil is finally happening, <laughs> so uh, that is how you that is how you win my heart by mentioning that fight. So I will go with this round, Phoenix.
2: It's amazing. Once that fight was booked, how many people tagged AK on social media and like congratulated him for Neil on Neil? It was amazing. Uh, as we move ahead to Jed MacHugh, the champ who somehow has not yet to compete. He's a lucky bastard, but here we are, Jed. Who gets this one done?
8: I'm just dodging bullets in here, man. Look, I'm on a level with you, Mike. I, was, I had every intention of coming in here and, and voting for Alex because I am terrified of Phoenix. She <laughs> doesn't miss. Woman throws 110 every time out and is basically unbeatable, so I was gonna do whatever I could in my power to get her out of here. And I'm still going to do it because, frankly, Alex came out strong. She came out of the gate throwing darts of her own. Uh, I love the rebuttal. Phoenix honestly kind of lost it for me when she said everybody wants to see T.J. Dillashaw get knocked out. T.J. Dillashaw did nothing wrong, and I want to see him get the belt back. And then the fact that Alex made Phoenix laugh with her own answer, to be fair, Alex kind of finished a little weakly there. Phoenix tried to mount a comeback, but for me, I'm giving the point to the rookie.
2: Wow! And now, puts the emphasis on Jose Youngs to make the final decision. What a position! You know, you you lose a tough one to Phoenix, and now you have the chance to possibly knock her out of the game, Jose. This is like the challenge on MTV right now. What are you gonna do?
5: Love to hear you. Let's let's be honest though. Like as much as Jed talks about how he mops the floor on me and he. He makes a lot of things up and he has a silly goose time on the air i have never beaten phoenix so i too am terrified of phoenix who actually does own me in this game unlike jed who again just likes to have a silly goose time and say things that aren't aren't really anything um but i do have to give uh, much props to alex for actually saying like i'm drawing a blank here because most people like Juan jed Machu, will just kind of Come up with something on the fly maybe they don't believe it but they just want to say it because they want to like ruffle some feathers she stuck to her gun and said drawn a blank amanda Hebaz. that much respect to anyone that can do that on this on this show but i am a massive fan of neil on neil i've been saying it for a long time too i have to give the slight edge to phoenix the actual champion and she can go on and face jed and mop the floor with again look at this man's hair you need a mop, just turn that man upside down. You got one perfect right there. So Phoenix versus Jed can happen. All right.
2: Alex, you did a great job. Would you like to uh, stick around and be the judge?
6: Yeah, I'll definitely stick around. And I just wanted to say it was such an honor to go against Phoenix. I've been following you for a while. So this was such a dream come true. And thank you guys for having me on.
7: It's so nice to meet you, Alex. I hope I like, actually get to meet you soon. Yeah, if you're on the West Coast, I'm here. I will be. I will be in two weeks. I'm working so in in LA, so I'm I'll hit you up. Sweet, sounds good.
6: All right, I'm ready for my the judging hat to come on.
5: See right. Jed, how hard was that to make friends? It's not that hard to make friends, Jed. You too, someday, can have a friend in your life.
8: You know. With friends like you, Jose, I don't need enemies. I'm covered.
7: Yeah, that's fair. Because
8: let's be honest, Mike. We i no. figured out why this is bad format. Because it puts Jose in a position of power over me, and he's just going to leverage that. Alex clearly deserved to win the round, but he just wants it. So Phoenix has to either face me next and beat me or face Alex, which, come on. Alex is not. You him. refer to me
5: as your enemy, and that means I have to put any sort of thought into you. So, no, you are not my enemy. Mortal All enemies. right. It is amazing how this thing turned. We, we
2: had a newfound friendship made, which is, a be- which is a beautiful thing. And then Jed and Jose started bickering again. So the show has taken a turn.
9: Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great. I-A-N dot com. Atlassian.
2: But we have two names in here. Two names left in the magic hat. This is something else because one person's getting a bye to the finals. Here we go. On the very expensive Mohegan Sun stationery. You got to be kidding me. We got A.K. Lee stepping in, which means oh. Jed Mishu,
5: the champion. Oh,
2: how convenient! Is going to yeah. the finals. Y- wow.
5: You guys, you guys call it luck. We can call it a head start for someone. How you know. convenient! Everyone needs a head
3: start. Let's go, like A.K. So hey, I'm glad. I am glad. I I, 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 I want to. baby. <laughs> the Prince of Posit- I am. I want to face off with with Phoenix. I want to face off with the best. Let's go.
2: All right, welcome to the game, AK. You've uh, been a great judge. And uh, our next topic goes back just a couple of days for our great competitors here. We found it a couple of days ago that the historic I-Round non-title co-main event, I think I said that right, between Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz will no longer take place next weekend at UFC 262 because Diaz suffered a non-specified minor injury well, what is UFC 262's loss now becomes UFC 263's gain as the fight moves back a month in Glendale, Arizona. So the main event for next weekend's card AK is the vacant lightweight between Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler. That is the stake, no doubt about it. But most of the sizzle, the seasoning, the flavor with all due respect to those great athletes for this event was the return of Nate Diaz and Leon Edwards taking on the big name that he needs to get to the next level, so, AK, how big of a hit did UFC 262 just take? Uh,
3: listen, Mike, I'm a, we've we've said it, and was, you know, I'm a positive guy. So, for one thing, first of all, I'm gonna be super positive with this card. I think the card looks great. Uh, I'm gonna be somewhat not positive about losing the fight because I, genuinely, almost don't give. a... F- we can't score on this show. I almost genuinely don't give an F. I really don't. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's me. From the moment this Edwards Diaz fight was like announced, I was like, "Okay." I actually had to. I actually kept forgetting. Maybe I'm just terrible at my job. I actually kept forgetting whether it was on 262 or 263, uh, or if it was like a fight night, like co five-round co-main event. I, I don't care. I don't care for this matchup. I think the card looks. Uh, to get back to positivity. I think the card looks excellent. I, I'm more jazzed up about Tony Ferguson and Vanille Darouche. That's way more exciting to me than Nate Diaz and, and Leon Edwards. I get – look, I like, I get it. I get it. We're, 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 we're in the business. I get the attention that Nate Diaz draws. I love a good Nate Diaz article. I love a good Nate Diaz quote. I love a good Nate Diaz tweet. But as far as like how important this fight is, like it's, it's more important for – I know it could lead to a title shot, but – I think Edwards is worthy, but already I almost feel like it's a disservice to him to have to fight Nate. It's great. It's a high profile fight for him. More people might be watching this fight than any fight he's had in a while. So good for him. But for me, that has that doesn't matter to me as far as impact on the 262 card. The 262 card is strong. You have two great lightweight fights uh, on the top uh, according to the, the current schedule. So how much does the loss of that fight affect the 262 card? For me, for this guy, like a, a big zero, a big zero. I don't care.
2: All right, a big zero for AK in the effect that losing that fight had on 262. What do you think, Phoenix? Like how big of it do you think this card took a massive hit losing this fight?
7: No. Nah. No. Nah. I think, you know, what we've got Chandler and then we've got Ferguson and those matchups and the title? I don't I don't think so. You know, um, so when when the initial announcement was made. And it was like Nick Diaz was coming back. It was more, oh, Nick Diaz is coming back than it was Nick Diaz against Leon Edwards, right? I think that that's kind of like how it went. But then for other people, it was like, okay, Edwards gets to do something now because that eye that poke and Bilal Muhammad did not answer any questions about his, what, 16th, 17th month layoff. The guy has had no luck, passed up, passed up, passed up, passed up. It's more about what it's going to do for Edwards and where it's going to put him and how it's going to make an impression on the fans than it is about what it does to a particular card. So I think it's more impactful to the individuals than it was to the, to the card itself. You know, I'm still going to watch the card. Like Michael Chandler, we're going to watch the card. You know what I mean? I don't know if it, I don't know if, um, Nate, Nate Diaz coming back into the mix is fun for a bunch of different matchups. So we're like, yes, come back. There's a bunch of, places we can put you. Edwards, it's like, be busy. That isn't an, an a disqualification and we'll see where you can go. So I think it's a, a combination of that, but I don't think it affects the card drastically at all.
2: Okay, so l- let's, let's sort of flip it on a different end because all of us here on this panel right now, we're watching this card no matter what. Like, we're watching right. it no matter what. And we look at these matches from start to finish and we're like, all right, there's some really good fights on this card. But the UFC already has us we they know they're gonna get our 69.99 so losing Nate and Leon how many pay-per-views do you think this cost the UFC Phoenix
7: well because Nate Diaz is such a character he carries fans so yeah you lost Nate Diaz fans you didn't necessarily just lose UFC fans so it probably is a hit by what percentage I'm not a hundred percent sure you know, because it wasn't like he's so active, so active that you're always constantly following him. It's like you got to know that he's back and that you want to be there. So, yeah, maybe it does take a huge hit, but it's hard. I don't think I have enough casual friends. <laughs>
2: <laughs> A.K. Jed and I have, have made certain points on this show about... Like we can gauge how big a fight card's gonna be based on, like Phoenix said, our casual fans who barely talk MMA reaching out to us and being like, oh my God, so-and-so is fighting or Jake Paul's fighting Ben Askren or uh, in this case, Nate Diaz is fighting Leon Edwards. I have to buy this thing now. And now those people stop texting me altogether because this fight is no longer happening. So how big of a hit from a business side did UFC 262 take losing this fight?
3: First of all,, uh, you're suggesting that I have friends outside of MMA, which is
7: uh,
3: <laughs> a little hurtful, uh, or, or that I even have friends in MMA, to be honest. But so i, I I'll have to really speak about the question theoretically. Uh, I, I have no I, I can't really relate to it in a in a, in an actual way. but i I get it. Look, I get it. Uh, but I do think the draw, the financial like so like actual tangible draw of Diaz, has always been a little bit overstated. He is. He is the B-side to bigger names, typically. I will say this about the McGregor fight. I will say this about the Masvidal fight, especially after, you know, what Masvidal had done up until that point. Masvidal had become the A-side in that fight. So Diaz is a very strong B-side. He has a very hardcore fan base. And as you said, even that sort of ability to – I'll never forget when uh, – after he won the first McGregor fight, when he was on, I don't know, he was he was talking to Mario Lopez on like Entertainment Tonight or something. one of those, one of those entertainment shows. It was surreal. He was like walking the red carpet. So that was a moment where I'll say, like, man, Dave Diaz, is he actually a star? But because he's been so inactive since, I feel like it's really, really, really been difficult to gauge, again, just how much uh, of a star he still is. Again, from an actual numbers standpoint. Plus, you know, we get inaccurate, we don't really get like super accurate reports of birace these days with the whole uh, ESPN Plus dealie. So, so that whole aspect of it is, is a little confusing. I, I will acknowledge the card will definitely take a hit, as you said. There there are people who recognize the DS name, will always recognize the DS name, and are always gonna you know they're gonna perk up when they when they hear he's fighting. But I don't know if that was going to bump up the buy rate of this card that much. So I, I'm essentially, I'm saying was the ceiling. I think the ceiling for this card was fairly low, and I don't think it got that much lower. So.
2: Okay. So so last thing on this. How much better did 263 just get AK? Because you got the two title fights. You got Adesanya Vittori too. You got the flyweight title rematch between Figueroa and Moreno. By the way, I talked to Brandon Moreno last night. He got me all fired up for UFC 263. But now you have a five round, you know, fight between Edwards and Diaz. You get Damian Maia Blah Muhammad. You got Paul Craig, Jamal Hill. You got a potential 125 pound title eliminator between Lauren Murphy and Joanne Calderwood was probably gonna be buried on the prelims. You got Hakim Dawadu and Mavzar Ebulev and there's more. This is just off the top of my head. I don't know if this card tops 261 on paper. It's a high bar set execution wise for sure. But in terms of like top to bottom fights, name value, et cetera, is 263 a better card on paper than 261 or any other pay-per-view to this point this year?
3: This is for me. This is for you. No, no. What is this? What is this? I, Dia- I, 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 I'm, cur- uh, no, no, I'm just saying with the addition two, two, of this fight, sure. two title fights. Great. Uh, Diaz Edwards. It's a great main, uh, I don't know if it's going to be the opener. I don't know where they're going to schedule on the card. It, it could, I, it could, I don't know if they want to put it on just before the two challenge fights. Cause you kind of want to maybe do a cooler thing when you have as one of the first two fights and then you put like one of the somewhat more lightly regarded in the middle, or it could be again, the, the, you know, penultimate pen penultimate. The you know two penultimates uh, fight. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to go with it. But I don't think it puts it over the top of two sixty one. I think two sixty one on paper again was one of the strongest cards of the year. Uh, maybe again because of how it turned out and how memorable it was. I I might that might be affecting, of course, my my appraisal of it. So, uh, but I, I don't think so. I think on paper you have two m- rematches, which are compelling in their own way. Figueredo, Moreno, one was freaking amazing uh and then uh adesanya and Vittoria, of course is that intrigue of their first fight going to a decision and Vittoria being improved and adesanya coming off a loss So that so there, there's certainly storylines there but i think it's difficult to match the the triple title fights of uh 261 and uh and and the other things chris weidman was on that card as well and uh, there's some real star power there so uh yeah and, and it's fortunate crew Smith fizzled out but that on paper was a great matchup so no I'm, i this whole thing seems, has seemed like an anti-diaz rant but i do feel like uh he's not making a big impact either way. 262, 263, 264, 265,
2: I I don't know. What do you think Phoenix? How much did did putting Diaz Edwards on this card make it way better? Like we talked about 262 in your mind, doesn't lose a lot of of gusto because the rest of the card is, is pretty good. But if you look at the 263 lineup, the addition of this fight, very interesting. How good is 263 now with the addition of Diaz Edwards?
7: It's better. But I don't think it's like, in comparison to you know, Whaley Rose and I, I don't I don't think it's as as good. Definitely not, because like it's very hard to go against what Alex said because he j- he just put up such a great point that that Diaz makes a good B side. It's like who you match him up with that makes the fight as amazing as it is. So that just like, okay, yes he's back, but it's not. It doesn't have the BMF intrigue. You know, in a way, and again, this is not me going down on Diaz either. But it's it's a good card, but it's definitely not anywhere near, you know, the, the amazing one that we just had two, two or three fights ago, whatever it was, right? It, it just, I think it just makes it longer, right? Because <laughs> now it's still five rounds, isn't it? So now those last three are all five rounds and and trust me the last two are amazing those are two rematches i definitely want to watch because we're coming we're coming at it with storylines from from individual places right so they're all a little bit different and they all have a, they're all you know great fighters so it's interesting either way but i don't know i don't have the same enthusiasm as i did you know, you know just a couple of weeks ago and maybe that was because it was Laley, wayley and rose you know
2: all right we will end it here and we're gonna go to the judges because that was a hell of a round right there. That was some good stuff. Was Jed taking notes? I was looking at. His, are
3: you
8: yeah. taking notes? Yeah. You, what? Getting my scores down. Scoring the <laughs> <a> rest. <round. laughs>
2: he takes oh. his job as judge and champion very seriously, and you have to commend him for that. Okay, we go to the judges, and Jed, I appreciate your candor, but we're not even gonna allow you to judge this round.
8: I have a great, I have a great judge though.
2: All right. I want to hear what you have to say. You don't
8: have to carry this one, but (laughs) my thoughts boil down to some pretty simple things. One, super impressed by Alex. He's not very good at this game as statistics show, but he came out really strong. Uh, I loved his don't care point. I love that Diaz is a a good number two point. I think both of those are really solid. However, couple of things going in Phoenix's favor. One For whatever reason, I just noticed that she has a Wu-Tang tattoo on her arm. That's a point for me. Uh, I loved what she wrapped up with there, that this uh, this just makes 263 longer. We know that I'm the guy who talks about how long these damn cards are all the time. Great point. And for me, the tiebreaker is I'm a guy who watches Survivor, and one of the key things that you do in Survivor is when you're at the end – you, you gotta stack the jury with people who are gonna vote for you. And if I put Phoenix on the jury and it's me versus AK Lee, she's probably gonna vote for the nice guy, A.K. Lee. Conversely, AK might vote for me because he has to work with me. Uh Jose's never voting for me, and then the other Alex is a wild card. So I'm taking Phoenix because I think that's my only strategy to win. All
3: right, but think about this how this man's mind works. You
2: guys look it's this. amazing.
8: Chestnut checkers, boys.
2: That was an incredible journey right there. All right. Alex Wendling, your thoughts. Who moves on to the finals to face the champion?
6: I am going to have to go with, I really enjoyed Alex's points and excitement for uh, Benil Daryush. Also, it's a birthday shout-out, May 6th. He trains in OC as well. So it's his birthday. Glad we're excited about that. Um... I think I'm going to have to give it to Phoenix, though, just because she kind of wrapped it all around of not having uh, casual friends that are uh, getting excited for it. So I liked her final point on that. So I'll give it to Phoenix.
5: Jose. Well, I do disagree with both of you that Nate Diaz won't add a ton to this fight card because... Looking at our – because I shoot the videos when we're on the scene. Nate Diaz for Anthony Pettis at UFC 241. The heavyweight, the heavyweight championship of the world was the main event. Joel Romero, who we all just praised as being this massive, in, in, interesting individual, was on that card fighting. Paulo Costa, just the two big, beefy, muscly men just slapping each other. And who had the most page clicks? Who had the most YouTube views? Nathan – Diaz. I also went to get coffee the other day in Arizona where this fight card is going to take place. And guess what he asked me when he found out what I did. Oh, I heard Nate Diaz is going to be on that card. So, yes, Nate Diaz adds a ton of intrigue to this from personal experience. I'm also probably not the right one to ask because it's going to be in Arizona, and all of a sudden my mentions have just blown up about this entire card. Um, so I disagree that with both individuals that Nate won't add a ton. I agree with uh, Benil, with the Benil Darius praise, um, but I just have to give it to Phoenix, and you all know why. Because she's going to be Jed. And that is the coin flip of this. When it's 50-50, because it was very 50-50 in my mind. Like, both made points I agree with and both made points I disagree with. But Jed calls himself, and as I say on the preview shows, Mike and AK, you guys know, when it's a coin toss, how do I always determine who I pick? The champion gets the slight edge. When it's 50-50, so I have to go. I have to stick to my guns. This isn't anything to do with beating Jed. It's She's the champion. She gets a slight nod.
2: All right.
8: moment to just appreciate Jose saying, we all just talked about how great Yoel Romero is, and he's actually the only person who just talked about how interesting a person he is. Yeah, I said has, as as a, Yeah,
5: I stand by what I said. We all did. The one that was asked the question.
2: Well, AK... a a, a heroic effort I thought you kicked ass you did a great job this might have been the best round of your career
7: you you know when at the end of a fight uh uh, one of the fighters is like a little insecure because he's not sure if he took it (laughs) that's how I felt going against AK right now because I felt that you you know I thought you might have had that
3: (laughs) That oh thank you what a what a nice thing to say uh Mike can I make a couple of notes
2: here Yes, I would. I, it would be an honor.
3: <laughs> I meant to say this at the beginning. I forgot. I think I was a dissenting judge on all the other on all the other uh, <laughs> uh, rounds. So I, I Chris, I really Christopher lead it today. And then uh, the second thing I want to say. Oh yeah, this doesn't go on my record, right? This is a free for all. Those are only one on one things, right? That's staying right where it is, right? That eight, that eight's gonna. I, I, I stay. have no control over the records. Truck, truck. That eight's gonna stay where it is, right? We're not gonna. Sorry. This is a free for all. This isn't. This isn't a traditional one on one. You don't take an. L in a-
4: no, 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 no. Is, this no, is Chuck no, no, chiming in. And um, Shock, no, um, Alex, you are now currently... No, no it, that's hold a one-on-one on. record. No, that, no, that is no, a mistake the... up there. Hold on. Can we I call can we I call graphics corporate. department? I coming can't, in why and... can't my hand... There we go.
3: No, that's not... That's... That makes no sense.
4: Wait, right, hold on. Hold on, no sorry, sense. sorry.
3: I can't... <laughs> <laughs> Gosh! All right, fine. fine. Well, congratulations, Phoenix. Oh, congratulations, Phoenix. All right, go get, him. go get him.
2: All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the final question, and it's not a knockout round question because I realize I can't count when we're eliminating like an extra person. Because I thought we we're gonna have six questions, but we only need five because I'm terrible at math apparently, and uh, <laughs> this is it. It's Phoenix Carnavali versus Jed Mishu.
8: I feel like every fighter who has to face Valentina Shevchenko. Like, I'm trying <laughs> to talk myself into thinking I can be the one. And really, I just know I'm walking to a guillotine. Just
2: Well, we will see. It's kind of a, uh, we, we, we've been very hopeful. We've been very positive. We've had fun. Friendships have been made. But unfortunately, the final question is gonna be a depressing topic. We mentioned it earlier, sort of in passing, but we found out last week that the very first ultimate fighter in UFC history, Diego Sanchez, has been released by the UFC. He was scheduled to fight Donald Cerrone on Saturday. He's out of the company, out of the fight, and he went out with his win, his show, and his promotional compliance money, along with being part of a story that has just gotten so crazy and bizarre. Of course, most people, Jed, are putting the blame at Diego's coach and manager, Joshua Fabia, and we've heard wild interviews, we got leaked recordings, emails, the whole nine, Diego fearing for his life from the UFC. I mean, this whole situation, Jed, could be a 30 for 30 someday, but we'll begin with you. What is your reaction to all of this, Diego's release and everything that has come from it?
8: My reaction is that for anyone, Jose Youngs, who thinks this has been rigged to give me a a head start, obviously didn't know what was coming. You're going to put the dude wearing a fight circus shirt to talk about like a very serious and pretty sad topic. This is, this is a devastating blow to my potential to win this one, Mike, you could have picked galactic combat. We could have talked about zero G fighting and I'd be a 10 to one favorite. And instead we have to talk about honestly, one of the saddest stories in MMA, like, of the last little stretch because I, there's just no, nobody looks good here. Uh, Diego Sanchez has contributed a lot to the UFC. He is a hall of famer uh, and deserves to be a hall of famer. And it's, I'm going to try and walk on a little bit of eggshells here, but it seems pretty obvious to me. And certainly to many people feel that the relationship he has with, we're just going to call him his coach. I don't feel like addressing that person by name. Uh, is, is not very healthy. Um, and that is kind of one of the really dark parts of, of of fight sport. You see that happen fairly, it's, it's a fairly common occurrence. And so, you know, it's, it's all just really sad, man. It's really a big bummer because, I was kind of looking forward to the Sanchez-Ceroni fight. Like I thought that fight made sense for where they were in their careers. There was a pretty good backstory there about Diego kind of turning on Cowboy after he had bounced from Jackson's. They had some real animosity built up. I thought that was a good and interesting fight. Honestly, both men probably don't need to be fighting at this point. But if they were, I thought that was a good one. Uh, and then we lose it, and we don't just lose it because somebody got injured or fell out. We lose it for really awful reasons. Um, honestly, the most like the saddest part to all of this is that it is, is just Diego because he can't see what everybody else can. Um, you kind of never can in situations like that, I don't think. Uh, he has some real grievances, like his grievances with Dana White and not being able to get a meeting, you know, after. 10 plus years in the company in 30 some odd fights like that's a very real grievance. But the idea that his coach is, is this bastion of, of humility and, and really sticking by him and defending him uh, and that everybody else is lying or, or the narratives are twisted. Uh, that's really, really misguided and it's really unfortunate.
2: Phoenix, your thoughts on this whole crazy situation since last
7: week. I mean, there's a lot to unpack. There are several things about, you know, when uh, how fighters are treated towards the tail end of their career. There are several things about, okay, head trauma and health and mental health and emotional health. Uh, there's there's just several things to unpack. And Diego never been a liar, as as far as we've known him in his career. He he has been emotional. He has been odd. He has been eccentric. Uh, you know, and, and there are a lot of things behind the scenes that I'm sure went on that we don't actually know. And there are ways that somebody who's also being manipulated might be interpreting things as well. So when it comes to them asking him to sign something, was it because they noticed something in his behavior and they wanted to be sure? I mean, I don't, you know, what was it with the insurance stuff? Like, I, I don't, I don't understand any of what the point was with that but I will tell you that the situation with his trainer has been a red flag since day one because we had him on UFC unfiltered and the way he was talking about the guy was like, he was completely enamored by him and not like the way we all respect our coaches and we all think that the, what they do is amazing, but this just seems, this just seemed a bit different. And uh, Diego was like, yes, he walked into the room and he was floating and, Me and and Matt looked at each other like, what, what, you know, and then just to kind of see the way the guy talks, it's like the classic syndrome of an absolute narcissist, Uh, you know, coaches definitely do deserve their respect for what they do for you, but they never really ask for it. It, 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 it comes out in the gym. It's more something that happens privately. You get recognized because of the work that you do time and time again with multiple fighters. That's why we talk about, you know, the, the Safe Sayuds and the Greg Jacksons and the Phil Nurses of the world, because they they've put out a product over and over again, and then their names come up, not because they put themselves in the limelight and that they want their, their everything. Nobody should be your everything, not your nutritionist. And how, how are you your everything? How, well, how are you, his manager, his nutritionist, his massage therapist, his coaches, you know, and listen, Sistema is a great art, but it's not necessarily something that gets transferred over into the octagon. So there's a lot of things about that whole situation that really make me sad because I feel like deserve, Diego deserved better than that. He deserves to take his gloves off in the middle of the cage and put them down. And hopefully if there was a crowd there for everybody to like, you know, clap their hands and like send him love and messages. And now we just feel like he's in this weird situation, you know, yeah, Dana, Dana should talk to him. Yeah, there should be a personalized relationship, but it just seemed that if he was around somebody maybe normal, a lot of his grievances maybe could have been squared away in a normal meeting but this person is just such a narcissist that like nobody wants to deal with him. So I don't know. It's, it's very, very sad. And, uh, I'll try my best as, you know, somebody who's, you know, in this sport to look at things from all sides, but the guy gives me the creeps, you know, his coach. Gives yeah. Me.
2: Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I could say this, that, I mean, I, I watched the UFC and watch the occasional pay-per-view, but, the first is the ultimate fighters who really made me a fan. And the guy who made me a fan from that show is Diego Sanchez. Like he's the guy that really got me in the sport. Cause he was such an interesting dude. And you know, Felix, like, we know Diego's in the hall of fame already for that crazy fight with Clay Guida. And a lot was said by Dana white, even more was said by Diego Sanchez. Like you guys both mentioned, took Dana to task feeling like speaking out could get him killed by the UFC. Like that interview he did with Anthony Smith and XM is outrageous. It is outrageous. But at this point, Phoenix, like it's probably unlikely we see Diego have his own plaque in the Hall of Fame, right? Like is there any way this relationship can get resolved between Diego and the UFC? Do, like do you see a world where that happens?
7: I mean if I'm being, you know, super positive, I may be. If, 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 if I, I mean it's like what does he want? What what is what is the thing that he actually wanted clarification on? It was his it medical records? Like they, there was so much, it was so hard to keep him on track that I'm not even really sure what he wanted and what where the grievances came from. Like they they were complaining about you know something that happened at the airport. I mean that's a simple phone call like hey can you guys fix it or hey you know we, we're stranded here. Oh yeah yeah you know transport transport or an admin will, will fix it. But it just seemed like a lot of things about how badly he was being just disrespected has been planted in his head. So that when any little thing happened, it seemed like it was a part of a bigger problem. And I don't, you know, I, I just, maybe I've got to read more on, on where this all came from, but it just, it just seems really sad.
2: What do you think, Jed? Do you think like five years from now, we're seeing Diego Sanchez in the UFC hall of fame, or is this relationship just tarnished forever?
8: Certainly hope so. And I do think it can happen, right? Like, Tito Ortiz is, is the kind of obvious touch point here. I don't know that any fighter has had a worse relationship with Dana White than Tito Ortiz. They literally were going to fight each other at one point, like <laughs> in a cage or a boxing ring, whatever they were going to do it in. And Tito still, you know, obviously contributed a ton to the sport and they inducted him to the hall of fame in 2012. Uh, so I don't think that the relationship is like irreparably damaged, but it's certainly bad right now. And, if If things stay like this, maybe maybe that is the case, and maybe that can't come back. I, I have hope that uh, at some point, Diego will disassociate himself with this shitboxing person um, because that's that's just i I don't know, maybe I'm being an optimist. Maybe I'm stealing a case Prince of positivity. i I feel like things like that, you know, hopefully don't last forever. Uh, that this is perhaps a vulnerable point in Diego's life. He knows he's at the end of his career. And as we see with a lot of fighters, this may be the, kind of the only thing he knows how to do. And he feels that that this man is, is helping him prolong his career and, and benefiting him. And at some point that will have to go away and we'll see if if there is an underlying friendship there. Maybe, maybe he doesn't leave and then maybe Diego can't kind of mend these fences. But I, I'm hopeful that give it some time He will. I I just really, my main, I'll say concern is that in the interim, Diego doesn't end up doing something really, really unfortunate because honestly I'm okay with you having uh, a weird relationship with uh, a weird coach who I don't like, like that's your prerogative. That's your life to live with all that's your, your stuff to do. Um, But when you start saying stuff that frankly sounds really, Really scary. Um, hey, I think the UFC is going to have me killed. Honestly, like, not to be glib or flippant about this at all. The only way that comes across is as paranoia, and that genuinely concerns me about your your mental well being and what that can turn to in a couple of years. Because thoughts like that are are entirely irrational, and that like that's really concerning. And so the next few years are are really troubling. Honestly.
2: Okay. So now Diego Sanchez is a free agent. If he wants, he can sign with another organization. I will tell you right now. And I know he tagged a bunch of these organizations on Instagram after the release happened. All the tour is out of the Diego Sanchez game. Scott Coker. I spoke with him earlier today. I asked him about it. He didn't seem all that interested. And then we ended the interview and he was filled in on what was happening. And once Scott, heard what was happening from his team he said on the record it's a no like diego will not be fighting for bellator there could be rising maybe he goes to brave maybe he wants to go to bkfc jed i know at this point it's probably not even up to diego and i think we know why but if it were up to you man like if you were the commissioner of combat sports and diego sanchez is like dude i don't care what you say i'm fighting somewhere what's his next move where would you have him fight
8: If I'm the commissioner of combat sports, he's not fighting. Like that's, you just don't allow this man to potentially take more head trauma. Like, honestly, you could have had a very real conversation about, is it healthy for Diego to still be fighting several years ago? And that was before really concerning things that he just said came out. Like nobody should sanction him to fight straight up. My big concern, like not, I won't call it a concern, because this is this is a little more flippant like when you take away all the really serious things if you try and be a little more lighthearted about it honestly the thing that seems like may happen and will be really disappointing for a lot of less serious reasons is he's going to be the dude to box jake paul next and that's that's everybody's idea of an awful time
2: phoenix what do you think like where does he go from here now
7: I just sincerely hope nowhere, I can sincerely hope that he gets like the emotional help and support that he needs, which might be hard with somebody who's like, you know, supposedly in his corner. There was a, There's a study being done by the PI and it just came out, it was like 450 some odd pages about TBE and concussions and protocols that they want to put in play to be universal you know for how to for how to handle head trauma. And we're talking about this, you know, but he's been clear that he doesn't have any head head trauma because obviously he was going to fight, but obviously, you know, maybe it's not something that shows up, maybe it's just something on an emotional level. You know, he when he met this person, he was at his most vulnerable. When you're at your most vulnerable, you're also at at your most open to be manipulated. He had just gone through a divorce, he had just gone through all these things. So even if his brain chemistry says that he's, he's okay. His emotional health doesn't seem like it is. And I think any promoter that puts him in that position, seeing what's been happening is being irresponsible. You know, he, I think that he just needs help and he needs support. And that's why I won't make fun of him or, you know, any of those situations, because I don't know what's going on with him emotionally. And you know, I, I just think it's irresponsible.
2: Well, I mean, if I could, if, if I had hindsight with me, I would have shuffled these questions around and not ended it with this question. Um,
8: <laughs> yeah. yeah, really into it on a a, counter, Mike. <laughs> uh, I'm supposed to be better than that. But
2: yes, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I think we're all on the same page. We hope Diego Sanchez finds happiness. He gets well. He's good to go. And, um, and that's that. I mean, we just, we're, we're worried about him. I, I think we can all agree with that. So... But that's it. The debating is over. It is now up to the illustrious panel of judges to crown a champion. This is the way everybody wanted it to be. The woman who never lost her title against the man who claims to be the king of the show. This is great. Now we go to the judges. We will begin with the prince of positivity, Alex K. Lee, who won this final round.
3: Having worked with Jed for quite some time now, I don't know if I've ever seen him more pensive and reflective and mature. And th- it was disturbing, if we're being honest. Uh, not not again, not to make light of this very serious talk, but it was disturbing to see Jed this way, but also encouraging. It, it made me think there's there's a real soul there in this, this fight circus touting, trailer loving individual <laughs> that we've we'll, we'll all come to know and appreciate. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, I, look, Phoenix, uh, you've spoken to, to, to the man, to the coach that we're, you know, we're trying not to mention too much. You've been in the belly of the beast with this guy. I can only imagine what it's like to have had a firsthand impression of whatever it is that this guy is putting out there. You know, I know, I, I know we've had some people from our side talked to him on the phone. And, um, but I, uh, Oh, I guess, I, I don't know. I guess you probably didn't meet him. Did you meet him in studio? It wasn't in studio thing, no, I, I guess, guy, right. but uh, you spoke, yeah, you've, you've spoken to him and that's, I mean, and that's, that's scary. Uh, and that's a real insight. You both you, you both provided great, great insights on this. Um, it's just sort of how unfortunate the situation is. And, and and I'm glad, like we said, we're all hoping the best for Diego. You know, that's that's the one thing to not be lost in this is how much all of us uh, care about Diego as a fighter, how much fans love Diego. Um, and uh, it's unfortunate that, again, that these comments he's made that who knows how much they're motivated by his, you know, this relationship with Fabia um, has led to this. But I, I'm going to, because because this person, Uh, did not mention Jake Paul and Diego Sanchez, then I have to go with the true, true champ, who, by the way, also, if we're just going body of work today, I mean, has just knocked off contender after contender. So the winner is Phoenix. All
2: right. We head on over to another colleague of Jed Mishu,
5: Jose Young's. We're in the Yuri Prohashka hairstyle. One can dream. Well,
9: what do you think?
5: I will answer this seriously because it's a serious topic, and normally everyone's like, oh, you're just gonna kind of uh, shuffle Jed into the ether, but no, I'm gonna answer this seriously. Um, both gave very good answers, both were very poignant, and I agreed with almost everything they said. That being said, Phoenix has had first-hand interaction with the person in question, and as I've said on numerous shows, it's very easy to talk about it. It is much harder to actually experience things firsthand, whether it be fist fighting or just interviewing a fighter, because everyone in the comment section thinks it's very easy to do. Uh so I do have to give the edge to the woman who has first hand experience with this cult leader because God, anyone who has to do that needs gets the point.
2: Wow. Alex, I'll let you weigh in. We already have a we already have a winner, but love to get your shoddy
8: at one Al Shotty's vote. <laughs>
2: Hey, Rookie, muted. turn your mic on, Rookie. <laughs> yeah.
6: Again, uh, I'll just piggyback off of Alex's point of how uh, El Campeon changed from pompous to very sincere. Wow. And I was like, wow, that like, was just a point right there. And then he also brought up the Tito Ortiz, which I completely forgot about, so that was a really good point. But um since my vote doesn't really matter, I'll just say that both did a really, really good job and that this was really
2: fun. <laughs> wow. Politician 101 right there. Did but you just give that a 10-10? What? Was that a 10-10? She gave it a 10-10. Unreal. She gave it a 10-10. But Jed Machu, the baby face turn was not enough. Phoenix Carnavalli comes through, runs the gauntlet pretty much start to finish. And wins between the links, unbelievable! She wins the the 50th episode extravaganza. Congratulations! You took a break, you come back, and you did the damn thing, Phoenix. Congratulations! Super impressive stuff. You know how it is. You don't get any belts or prizes. We might have to make you one at this point, but uh, you do get 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about—good, bad, indifferent, and MMA, whatever you want. For sure
7: i gotta say it was tough i really felt that t to ortiz that was like a liver kick that that was a really good shot and alex got me with that whole b-sides thing so you know and jose with his mvp rant so i I had some tough competition you know alex came back with the tj dillashaw thing so you guys all definitely made this difficult for me today so i want to thank you everybody all the mma fans you can find me out there everywhere i'm doing some work currently with everlast i have a very big interview coming up very soon with someone we all love and i'll talk about that soon and then i've done a ton of martial arts related fitness things for trx and everlast so all that stuff's coming soon
2: well done jed again you know had such a great run on the show you took on the queen of btl and yeah you, you know it was it was a hell of a performance man what do you have
8: to say she's just a buzzsaw. Like, there's nothing, (laughs) you can't can't do it. Look, the cards were stacked against me anyway because everyone's, I made a a baby face turn. How could I possibly do anything else to that question? Any other possible answer gets me just probably muted and disconnected from the thing. Like, there's no other way to go, but it wouldn't have mattered. You could have given me a layup. She's a frigging buzzsaw. Nobody can touch her. I, this is what Daniel Cormier felt like when he got knocked out by John Jones in their in their rematch. Just, I can't. It's not a rivalry if I can't beat her. It's just a the sadness.
2: <laughs> there you go. That's what the champ looks like right there, ladies and gentlemen. What a battle it was. Six people entered and only one person ran the gauntlet. Phoenix Carnivale, the BTL50 Gauntlet Champion. Congratulations to her. Casey, we didn't get to hear from you at all, man. You weren't needed in any way.
4: Well, outside of the um, 10-10 round, what's up with that, rookie? Um, (laughs) Great performance by all the contestants. Phoenix, undefeated now. I'm I'm counting every round as a win. She is 7-0.
8: 7-0.
4: She is the Habib Nurmagomedov of Between the
8: Links. (laughs) How do you compete with that? How do you compete with that? Can't stop
4: her. You only hope to contain her. That's it.
8: Uh, thank you,
2: Casey for, for this production. I mean, the amount of time we have talked about this and run through different ideas and concepts and graphics and all the different stuff, Casey deserves a ton of credit, did a great job. Esther Lynn even helped out on numerous occasions, so big shout out to her. Lots happened. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to speak tomorrow. I have done a lot of talking today (laughs) and I don't want to talk anymore. So I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm going to enjoy the rest of my time here at beautiful scenic Mohegan Sun Resort and Casino here in Uncasville, Connecticut. I'll be doing your Bellator coverage tomorrow. All sorts of fun stuff. Head to our YouTube page. Interviews with Scott Coker coming up. All the weigh-ins highlights. I even talked to... Burt Watson today. The great Bert Watson is the newest member of the Bellator MMA family. It was great to catch up with him, but head on over to YouTube for that. We are out of here for Jose, for AK, for Jed, for Alex, for Phoenix, for Casey, for Esther, even Sean Alshadi who left us. We are out of here. See you next week. Good night, everybody.
1: This has been Between the Links, an MMA Fighting Production on the Vox Media Network.
9: I'm Esther Lynn. Ha ha ha.
0: bet based on amount of initial losing bet bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.co slash bball for eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources
1: first thing in the morning as soon as you wake up the to-do list starts